Ephesians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians 12 and Philippians 2. You ready? What is the theme of Ephesians? Christian, you are? Now walk? Alright, see? I taught you one thing at least. And we've made it to the second half of this book, right? Chapters 1, 2, and 3 are, Christian, you're wealthy. All of these riches that God has just poured out upon you. Um, forgiving your sin. Setting you, it says, uh, seating you in the heavenlies. Uh, securing a place for you in heaven. He's adopted you into his family. We don't deserve any of it, but probably least of all to be adopted into his family. I mean, he could have just made heaven and said, that's your heaven. This is my heaven. Never the two shall meet. But he did all of these great things. And that, that was the catalog of them in chapters one, two and three. And we've come to chapter four, where <clears throat> last week we learned, therefore, walk Humbly, And we're going to start to break down what's a worthy walk look like. First thing Paul says, therefore, walk humbly in response to his great riches. I want you to learn how to walk humbly in humility with each other. And I, what I'm hoping is that every message from here on out, I don't know if I'll actually be able to do it, but it'd be awesome if every message from here out started with the word therefore to remind us. Please, please be reminded, because if, if, we're, if we're not careful, we can go through these chapters and go, OK, I need to be humble because if I'm not, God won't like me. I need to uh, preserve the unity of the body, because if I'm not me, God won't like me as much. That becomes the list of rules, the regulations, all of that stuff that that Paul doesn't want. I don't want the Lord doesn't want uh, for you to be thinking that way. It needs to be therefore. Because of his great riches, all that he's done for me. Not how can I earn his love, but how can I return his love toward him? So last week, Paul says, look, therefore, your reasonable response, same as we learned in Romans chapter 12, your reasonable response to return his love is to walk humbly today. Says point number two, your reasonable response, the way you can show that affection back toward him is to walk in Unity. And we touched on it a little bit last week. Walk in unity, Christian, as a response to the great riches he's poured out upon you. And what I think you're going to see, hopefully today, if I'm clear enough, is that God has given us already everything we need to just preserve unity. We touched on that a little bit at first last week. Um, Here's, here's your three points if you're looking for an outline today. Number one, unity is a given from God. God has already united us in one body, one spirit. We'll see those things. Number two, God has given us a unity, but he's also given us diversity of gifts. He's given us a lot of different uh, gifts, skill sets, all of those things that are to uh, benefit the whole body. And then number three, we're just going to begin to touch on the equippers that God has given to preserve the unity. So God is interested in unity in the body. He gives us that unity and all we have to do is preserve it. Number two, he gives us a whole bunch of different gifts. But he says, look, you can work together and, and have unity with these gifts. And then number three. The equippers that he's given to preserve that unity. Now, you may remember last time to get to point number one here. Unity in the body of Christ is not something that we have to create. 
Unity in the body of Christ is not something that we have to whip up. That's why, I, though you're going to hear me preach a lot about unity, I'm not a fan of the ecumenical movement, which is, well, it kind of doesn't matter what you believe. Let's all get together and... What? Unity is not something that we have to whip up or force. It's just a fact of the true body of Christ. Factually, unity, the unity of Christ is a given. We don't have to create unity. We saw that last time. But, but our job is to, as you see the earlier verses in chapter 4, our only job is to preserve it. To endeavor. we got to work hard. But we, our job is to endeavor to preserve that unity. best way for me to point that out for you, illustrate it again, is to show you verses 4, 5, and 6. Now look at these verses. And please know, these are not a wish list. This isn't a, well, wouldn't it be nice if this were true? list. No, these are the facts. And that's what Paul's point is here. Verse four. This is unity is a given. OK, um, when I read these these verses, you just say the word one for me. OK, ready for there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in hope of your calling. One Lord, that's always tricky with a new verse. Next one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in y'all. <laughs> Paul's point at the very beginning here is God wants us to preserve, endeavor, work hard to, to preserve and protect the unity that he's already given. It's not our job to create it, just to protect it. And the way that he says it here, verses 4, 5, and 6, probably the best thing is just to look at these and go, oh, yeah, these are the facts. Now I have to deal with them. Here's what I mean. Maybe you're, you came in this morning and you're having trouble getting along with a particular Christian. Don't point right now. That's not good. But maybe your, your point of view is so different from theirs. Um, the way you were brought up is so different from, from theirs. We talked a few months ago about the Lucy Goosey versus the legal eagle, right? Maybe you're at odds with a particular Christian and maybe they're within this body. Just take a second, not too long, and just think, okay, yep, I got that person. You got everybody got a a person. okay? Um, not not that there's necessarily even uh, any tension between you, but just like, oh, wow. Yeah, we are very different. Paul says, look, you don't need to create unity. You just need to act according to the facts, because the fact is, verse four. You two are part of one body. That's a fact. You're part of the body of Christ. The church throughout the scriptures is called the body of Christ. You're you're one member and they are another member. Paul says, I think what he's getting at is, look, you better get along. You're part of the same body. What happens when one part of the body attacks another part of the body? The organ is rejected. The body dies. Some of you are keeping track of my uh, ever fun health things. And one of the things they'll be looking at uh, when they're going to do a, a biopsy on Lisa told everybody that my biopsy was last Monday. She just wanted extra prayer for me. Um, no, I'm going to have one on Friday. One of the things they're going to look at um, is a possibility of autoimmune things where your body is attacking your body. It's not good. It's not good to have one member, one part of the body attacking another part. So it helps me factually just to go, oh, yeah, we're part of the same body. So 
Let's see how I can be humble and cooperate. Um, Number two, you and that Christian that you're thinking of, you share one and the same spirit. You might be thinking, well, yeah, but my spirit raises its hands and theirs doesn't. Well, all I can tell you is it's the same spirit. Probably the the way to explain that, uh, the Bible says that the the uh, spirit, what is it? The the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets, meaning the Holy Spirit is going to manifest himself uh, sometimes according to your personality. Okay, so don't just assume, oh, that guy doesn't worship the same way I do. So he doesn't have the same spirit. No, no, no. The same spirit, if they are born again, if they're uh, chosen blood bought with the, with the blood of Christ, they belong to the body just as you do. Um, he says the third third point there, you and that other believer, you have one and the same hope, it says, of your calling. Again, New Testament, the word hope doesn't mean I hope I get to heaven. No, it means assurance. He's saying you have the same destination that you are as sure of as they are. You might not be sure of theirs, but you're sure of yours. They might not be sure of yours, but they're sure of theirs. You have the same destination, so you're going to end up in the same place and you're going to end up there for a long time. Might as well get along. You you and that difficult Christian share, verse 5, one Lord and one faith. Actually, that's the core issue, isn't it? Probably worthy to note here that Paul is not calling us to unity with people who believe in a different Jesus than us. Now, please don't, don't misunderstand consistently, the Lord has said, and especially to this body of believers, we're supposed to be winsome to all people. We're supposed to be respectful. We're supposed to to um, to, to show the love of Christ to all people. But we can't be in unity that is going the exact same direction and, and having the same goals. And, and, and that is uh, folks uh, that are in Islam or Jehovah's Witnesses. Anyone who follows a different Jesus than the Jesus in the Bible we can't be in unity with, we can still be winsome toward. Because they don't share the same faith, it says. We have, hopefully everyone in this room has one faith. You're just trusting in one person and it's one Lord, one Jesus. Now, when you, when you bring that back into terms of keeping unity within the true church, then it's helpful because it's like, oh yeah, we have the same boss. We have one Lord, Right? We're, that's right. We're trusting the very same Jesus to get us to heaven, to to mold us more and more into his image. OK, then it says, verse five, speaking of unity. OK, your response to this graciousness of God is um, to, to be uh, walking in unity. And he says, because you have all these things going for you, verse five. And you also have one Lord, one faith and oh, one baptism. Boom, boom, boom. Wheels just fell off this argument. No, oh, wait. One baptism. What? I mean, are there lots of baptisms? I mean, do you baptize in Jesus name only or in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost? Or do you sprinkle or do you dunk in the name of the Father and in the Son and in the Holy Ghost? That didn't get a laugh in the first service either. Weird. So we just need to edit that out of the whole message because, yeah. Sprinkling, dunking, infant baptism, adult baptism, in a pool, in a baptismal. Uh, 
To say nothing of well, the baptism of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is, is at salvation or is it a second work? Interesting how in this very section on unity, we have found something to divide over. It's true there's a lot of ways we can divide over baptism. But it seems to me, if we're interested in actually following what Paul's saying here, to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bonds of peace, probably there's only real one one baptism that we can really focus on that's universal to all Christians. It's mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You can turn there because we're going to end up there anyway, but this was actually a bonus in that chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says, For by one spirit, interesting, we were all baptized into one body. It's talking about the, the baptism that the Holy Spirit does to you as an individual baptizes you into the body of Christ, makes you part of the church. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, whether homeschoolers or public school. Wait, um, and all have been made to drink into one spirit. Um, Galatians chapter three talks about the same thing for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Therefore, there is now neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free. All of these are the same concept where Paul's going. Hello. I know you're different than each other, but you're baptized into the same church. So if you're having a problem getting along with another Christian, Paul says, don't forget, you're baptized into the same body, the same family of God. You are stuck with us. So figure it out. I think that's what he's saying. Now, we've been seeing that word one a lot in Ephesians 4. Um, if you want to keep 1 Corinthians 12, you can, but we're definitely going back to Ephesians 4 here. Verse 6, he changes from the word one to the word all. You guys read the word all. And one God and Father of who is above and through and in you and in y'all. Um, seems to me what, what, what Paul's saying here is um, use, unity is easy when you consider the facts. That person, you and that person, that other Christian, you are both children of the same father in heaven. And that father is above us all. We all answer to the same Father in heaven. If you're a true Christian, you answer to the same Father that I do. I had an idea. Rather than spend a lot of energy hating that other Christian or railing against him, just tell Dad. Say, Dad, you'll never believe what that other kid of yours did. Just rat on him. It's called prayer, and it's okay. And let, let the Lord begin to work in that situation. Um, He's above us all. He works through us all. The same father is working through me and he's working through you, perhaps through you to develop patience in me. Could be the same God is working in us all. How many times have we talked about the fact that God loves a project? It's a room full of projects. We need to remember he's still working in us all. I know we wish it said he, he's still working in me, but he better be done with you. Um, so chapters one, two and three, Paul says, look, God has blessed us so much. And now he's saying, therefore, guys, walk in unity, because these are the facts. Just all you have to do, he says, is preserve what God has already done. Now, we saw last week that it's not as simple as, oh, I just got to just chill out. 
No, preserve, he says, to endeavor. It means you're going to, it's going to take some work to preserve this very thing that God has done for you. And usually that work, it sounds like this. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Uh, yes, I'll forgive you. Hey, we need to talk. Something that's been on my mind that, uh, you, that you said kind of hurt me and I hadn't mentioned it. All of those kind of awkward things, that's endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bonds of peace that God has already created. Make sense? All right. Now, that was point one. You guys ready for points two through twelve? No. Two and three. Um, Paul says, look, God already has given you one unity. But next, notice, Paul gives you, has given you many gifts. Ephesians 4, verse 7. He says, but to each one of us, grace, and the word is charis there. It's uh, where we get the word charismatic. Um, You wouldn't know it necessarily if you stopped here, but he's talking about uh, spiritual gifts. And we're going to see that, how, how it becomes clear. To each one of us, a spiritual gift was given according to the measure. Uh, measure is metron. It's a vessel for determining the quantity of things. Uh, uh, someone's portion, their uh, allotted portion. Uh, probably the best way I can think of it when he says metron, I uh, think one of those Pyrex uh, measuring cups. Okay, it's like, okay, this is how much uh, you're given. He's given each one of us a gift uh, according to the measure, it says, of Christ's gift. Okay. If you haven't figured it out already from here on out, you kind of need to have your thinking caps on. What's he talking about when he says was given according to the measure of Christ's gift? I believe he's talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit. That is what Jesus says. It's better for, for you guys that I go away because I'm going to send. I'm going to give, going to send your way the Holy Spirit. Now, the reason I think that check with me, go to first Corinthians chapter 12 if you're not already there. Because in 1 Corinthians 12, it tells us that it's the Holy Spirit who measures out. The Holy Spirit takes the Pyrex cup and goes, okay, this is your portion. This is your portion. This is your portion. Look at it. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. And tell me that this is not a parallel scripture regarding unity, diversity, the gifts, those things. Verse 4. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Spirit. Lord, and there are diversities of activities, but is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit to another, the word of knowledge through the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healings by the same spirit to another, the working of miracles to another prophecy to another discerning of the spirits to another different kinds of tongues to another, the interpretation of tongues, but one and the same spirit works all these things. Now look, distributed, distributing uh, the Pyrex cup to each one individually as he wills. Now, if you're not already convinced I see this as a complete parallel passage to uh, where we are. Look at verse 12. For as the body is, you guys read the word one, and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. 
You guys see it? It's the same theme. And so many times Paul says, uh, neither Jew nor Greek, because that was probably the hot button item in the church. Hello. Yeah. If, if he were to look, if we were to rewind ourselves to, let's say, Antioch, actually, Antioch would be a great example. You would see Jews and, and Gentiles worshiping together. What a, a great thing. And what he's saying here is, look, I know you've come from different backgrounds. I know you've got a lot of different uh, experiences in your life. I know that you think some things are important and they don't. He says, but think of it just like a body. We're the body of Christ. We need each other. Universe, universe, ah, unity in diversity. If you're looking for a great example of how that works, look at the human body. Look at it. Actually, verse 15 of that same chapter. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 15. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? Okay, imagine I'm a six foot tall eyeball. How am I going to hear you? Where am I going to go? I might have great vision, but that's it. He says, um, if the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? I would add, if the whole body were a foot, we know where the smelling would be. Verse 18. But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. Y'all, if you're a member of the body of Christ... You're here. You're wherever you are for a reason. Verse 19. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? If everybody was alike, what a goofy body that would be. You imagine a a body that was just ears. A million ears attached together. The point is, we are very different. And maybe you're saying, yes, but I'm so different. I'm, I'm too different. Maybe from... I feel like I'm different from the people at Calvary Chapel. I don't, I don't feel like I belong. My, my gifts are totally different than what I see operating in the church. I feel like I stick out like a sore thumb. Could it be you're the thumb <laughs> that we need? Could it be that you have a gift that we don't have? Um, could it be that you're the ear that we need or the, the set of feet that we need in a particular situation? Um, to me... I didn't even write this down, but I, I'm reminded of it. Again, uh, Riley Park, uh, Sterling House are great examples where a bunch of people who don't know what we're doing, just like, let's do something. And uh, some gifts begin to emerge. And all of a sudden, now we have a relationship. And now people are, are asking for the gospel. And uh, we've got, we've got a, an evangelist and a teacher who's able to go. It's just awesome what God's doing. The point is... We need each other and we need everyone to be doing that which they're gifted to do. And maybe you think, okay, all right, fine. But, but what I can do is not very important. It's very small. It's almost not really worth I'm kind of embarrassed, really, to tell you just what little I, I'm good at. Verse 22. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow great, greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. 
And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. If you ever think to yourself, well, I'm just so insignificant, I don't really belong, you know, I don't really matter to the body of Christ, just do me a favor, get up in the middle of the night and stub your little toe and tell me that little members don't matter. (laughs) When one body part suffers, we all suffer. And did you see here? He says that there should be a... There should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. seems to me, if you have a gift and you're not sharing it, that you're kind of not caring for the body. You know, can you imagine if, somebody, if one, of, one of the members of your, your body was just like, eh, I boycott. I'm going to sit down and strike. Uh, I'm the heart. Good luck with that. Now, believe it or not, this is the same general direction. You can turn back to Ephesians chapter 4. Same general direction that Paul is headed in our text. You might not believe me, but just just to prove that I'm not kidding you, look down a little bit. It's beyond our our verses this morning, but uh, verse 16. Notice what he, he says in Ephesians 4, verse 16. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. According to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. You get it? One of the things that Paul's saying is, guys, walk humbly. Walk in unity. Endeavor to, to keep short accounts. Don't, don't let stuff fester between you. All of that stuff. But also use your gifts. And use them for the for the benefit of the whole body, not in a showboating way, but in a humble way. Paul is saying, therefore, because you've been so blessed, Christian, respond this way. Walk in unity, though you've been given very different gifts. You've been given very different backgrounds. You come from very different places. Your response to his riches, to the to the gifts that he's given to you is to use them for the benefit of the body. Now. Somebody, I bet you somebody in the room is thinking, okay, fine, but I don't have any gifts. I haven't been given any gifts. I'm a Christian, but he didn't give me any gifts. I'll say to you, gently, kindly, liar. Look at verse 7. He's just after 4, verse 7. But to each one of us, grace, that is a gift, was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, check this out. This is I really like this. At first, again, it was confusing. But now that I understand it, I, I really love it. Verse eight, he begins to paint a great picture to help us understand this giving of gifts. He says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. He's talking about he's referring to Psalm 68, verse 18, and it's a messianic psalm of David And apparently it referred to those ancient parades that a conquering general would have. Uh, Let's say you were a citizen of Rome and you knew that one of your generals went out and uh, he conquered a whole nation. Well, he comes back into town, you know, all the the fanfare and all that stuff. And part of the the parade is the uh, conquered foe, perhaps the king of the other the other nation, those kind of things. Um, and it says that he gave gifts to men. Apparently, again, I, you know, I wasn't there. Believe it or not, I'm not that old. But apparently part of this was the giving of gifts. 
in, in the parade. Either the citizens would give gifts to the conquering general, say, that was awesome, you're, you're worthy of these gifts. Or perhaps, um, and it would seem from this, that the, the general himself would give gifts to the citizens. Here's the, from the spoils of war. Hey, I, I took this from the, from the enemy's camp. This is for you. Took this from the enemy's camp. This is for you. I wonder if it's like parades today. Uh, we went to the parade back uh, a few months ago, the parade in Eustis, you know, where they throw out candy, right? From the parade, you're in the parade and you throw candy um, out to the citizens lining the streets. We got some candy that day. But note to self, if you're in one of those parades, don't line up right next to the storm drain. You lose, lose a lot of candy that way. But, but Paul's painting the imagery here of this triumphal king leading captivity captive and giving gifts to men. Now, it's like, okay, now I, I finally get that. It makes sense. It's like, could we just close the book right here and I get it? Well, look at verse 9. Oh, something shiny. Now this, he ascended. What does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Paul, what are you doing in the <laughs> He's done it again. Paul's like off on this rabbit trail and we know it's holy and inspired. Um, here's the thing. We could spend quite a bit of time and I could explain this as best as I know it, which still isn't much, but I could take a long time to do it. <laughs> Or I could give you a brief synopsis of some options that people uh, debate over what, what he's talking about here. Some say Paul is referring to the time between Jesus' death and his resurrection when he went and proclaimed victory, his victory to the fallen angels. Uh, and that's you can find that in, uh, in first or second Peter. I'm not sure which um, and where he went and proclaimed the gospel uh, to those in Abraham's bosom, the kind of an, a holding tank for Old Testament believers. Uh, well, and some say, no, he's just referring to uh, Jesus' earthly burial because he went into the, the heart of the earth. Jesus says, um, as uh, Noah's, or excuse me, Jonah was three days in the belly of the whale, um, so will I be in the heart of the earth. I don't, I don't have an idea which one is, is correct. But what I want to do, and I feel like this truly is what the Lord calls me to do. Um, if nothing else, try to, as best you can, stick with context. What's the context, Lord? Uh, the context is king. And so that brings me to the question, why in the world would Paul even bring this up? What does it have to do with unity? Well, I think... Uh, that the Lord has revealed to me an answer, and I'm, I'm going to give that to you toward the end of the lesson. So if you're interested, hopefully you'll stay awake for that long. Um, for now, let's just review. Paul's given us his, this thesis on unity. He's already given us one unity, right? But he gives us many gifts, and he expects us to use them for the benefit of the body. Lastly, third thing, we're just going to touch a little bit on it this morning. He also gave some equippers. He gave one unity for all of us. He gave many gifts for each one of us. But he also gives some equippers for the unity. Look at verse 11. And he himself, this noble king that rides in this parade, he himself gave some to be apostles. That is, he gave the church these gifts. 
in human form, apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints of the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So verse 11 says, he gave him, he himself, that the idea is that he handpicked uh, these men that he's, he's speaking of. And this commander, he's conquered sin, death, sickness, right? Like, what are the foes that he conquered? I kind of think that they're sin, death, sickness, all the things that Adam messed up for us. Jesus comes in riding the, the white stallion and the foes that are, are embarrassed are them. To me, that actually finally makes sense when Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 says, death, where's your sting? Is this supposed to hurt? Like Paul like, seems like he's mocking death. I wonder if it's like in his mind he saw death walking by the parade going, ha, Jesus conquered you. I don't know. Sorry, here's my own little shiny object. Um, but he says, the Lord himself has handpicked some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, teachers. Uh, in the Greek, the construction is that last those last two words uh, are like hyphenated. There's, it's one concept, pastor, teacher, pastor slash teacher. Um, so actually, guess what that means? That the Lord handpicked me for you. Ta-da! <laughs> I am your gift from God. Sorry, that's all you get. <laughs> now, what, what about this list? Because I, I, I don't know about you, but for me, I'm like, well, wait a second. Are there apostles around today? And, and if so, what, what do you mean exactly by the word apostle? Because some will tell you, yes, there are apostles around today. And I'm one of them. Well, first, let's be super clear. There were only 12 apostles with a capital A. Okay, that's probably the best way I can explain it. Um, because you can interpret that word differently. Apostles with a capital A would be those who, hello, write scripture those who God reveals things and, and he says, we're setting this down for all of history. Um, Revelation, the book of Revelation says that there's just 12 names on the foundation stones, right? So if anyone comes to you and says, hello, I'm Apostle Fred. You can say, awesome. So which one of those guys, Matthew or uh, James, John, which one of those guys did you bump? You got their spot. On the foundation stone. Um, now, do I think, do I think that uh, there are some apostles, maybe with a little a? Yeah, I think so. Because apostle, the, the word can also mean ambassador. That is someone who's sent as a special ambassador for Christ. Um, someone who has been given a special message, or um, a great example, I think, would be Martin Luther. As messed up as he was in some things, the, the founder of the, the Reformation that says, wait a second, we don't have to go through priests to talk to, to God, right? Somebody that has that much, uh, like you can look back in history and go, wow, because God used that person, that's an ambassador, that's an apostle. But even that's with a little a. Other examples, I think Charles Spurgeon probably would be a, a possibility. Um, Billy Graham. I would say I'm part of the Calvary Chapel movement. Chuck Smith, apostle with a little a. But here's the thing. If you went to any one of those guys and said, hello, apostle. Be like, who are you talking to? 
They don't claim that name for themselves. God himself chose certain ones to be game changers, if you will. None of them would introduce themselves as an apostle. So if you meet someone who introduces themselves that way, I would I would beware. Um, what about prophets? Do they exist today? Probably again, um, maybe not in the same sense, but um, as as you might see in the in the Old and New Testament. But if you read some of Joel Rosenberg's books, you might like, yeah, maybe. Um, when you understand also that the prophecy is not always just foretelling, it's not always just telling the, the future, but also forthtelling, that is speaking with the, the passion uh, that only God can give you, and not just for a small congregation, but maybe for the whole world, the whole country kind of thing. Um, I don't know how else to explain this. Lisa and I have talked about, if I had to pick somebody who, every time I listen to him, I'm like, I kind of feel like I just heard a prophet. Not necessarily because they're foretelling the future, but just the, the weight of the words that they speak. Mike McIntosh, if you know who he is, a Calvary Chapel pastor, it's just like, listen, it's like, I think that guy might be a, a prophet. But again, you walked up to him and said, you're a prophet. He wouldn't be like, you bet I am. <laughs> no. God himself chooses certain people to, uh, to help the church. Okay, uh, where does that leave us? Um, evangelist. Well, yeah, we definitely got some of those. Right? Billy Graham. Greg Laurie, um, pastors, teachers, are there some? I hope so. I hope that's. I hope the Lord, the Lord has called me in that way. I do believe that He's appointed me to that role here. But please notice, and this this is the point. This is part of what Paul's saying, and he's saying a lot at once and from different areas, which is probably why it's hard to track. All of these offices are any of them appointed to be served? No. They're all appointed to serve. That's why I say if someone comes up to you and says, hello, I am the Apostle Frank. And here's my associate. I can introduce my associate, uh, the prophet Bob. And we're in need of some accommodations. Would you bless the Lord by opening your home to us? We only require a small fee. Internet access, your bank account numbers. You could say to them, hey, Bob, you're a prophet. Tell me what I'm thinking right now. <laughs> Verse 11, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Here's why, why he gave them for the equipping of the saints. For the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Oh, there's just so much richness here that honestly, um, I would keep you way too long. We're going to really cover, hopefully, that equipping of the saints. Um, it's really, uh, it should change the way that you see how church works uh, when we explain it. But I'm going to try to save that for, for next week or for next time. Um, but what I want you to see here is that God handpicks certain people not to be served, but to serve. And what, I, what we need to make sure we point out in verse 13 here, so that we're all tied up as far as the, uh, uh, the, the goal here is unity. God's goal in giving those certain people, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, is that we, verse 13, till we all come to the unity, there's that word again, of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. 
till we all come to the unity of the faith. Notice it does not say till we all come to the uniformity of the faith. That we all have to do everything and, and, and think exactly the same way. See, to me, again, one of the most beautiful things in the church is how different we are and how we are still able to not only function, but hopefully blossom. And God goes, oh, wow, I didn't even know that you could do that. I didn't know that you could do that. Yeah, I wouldn't have even talked with you because you're so different than me. But now that I now that I have, I'm so blessed. Um, we're we're going to see as we go through here that our job to endeavor to keep that unity is to speak the truth in love, to apologize, to forgive, to give each other the same grace that God has given us. Um, some of you guys know I've been been slapping my gums probably pretty good. Um, over the last few weeks, sometimes I have a, a feel like I'm expressing a crisis in confidence. Lord, are, am I hearing you right? Are you are you speaking and I'm, I'm missing it? Um, this 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 verse here, verse thirteen, was kind of a, a, a balm for my soul. Not a bomb, a balm. Um, seems like one of my jobs. Two two of my jobs here. To help the body come to unity in the faith. To help really different people learn how to get along. And as I look and I see how different we are, it's like, okay, Lord, maybe I am hearing from you. And I see how it's amazing how if we'll just follow his word, uh, Matthew 18, if we'll, if we'll do the things that, that he tells us to do, that no matter how different that person is, he can really achieve unity, not uniformity, but unity among those believers. And then the other thing is, and the knowledge of the Son of God. Okay. Means my job is to make sure that you guys do all that I can to make sure you guys know Jesus more. It's like, okay. I think a lot of times I, I'm doing my best. I, I feel like I'm doing my best. It's like, Lord... Thank you. Thank you for encouraging me that, that hopefully the, the, the main things are still staying the main things. My job to help help you guys preserve the unity of the faith, but also that you might know Jesus better than you knew him last week. My job is to equip you and that we're going to talk a lot more about that next week. So um, one thing we haven't covered as we as we close here. What about Paul's shiny object? What in the world is he getting at? Back, look back at verse 9 and 10. Now, this, he ascended. What does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. What in the world does that have to do contextually? How does that keep us in context? Well, to me, when I remember what we covered at the beginning of this Chapter And what we've seen throughout all of Paul's writings, this concept, unity in diversity only comes through humility. The only way that people that are as different as we are, are ever going to make it is if we're humble. If we think more about that person than we do of ourselves. So could it be verses nine and ten? Now this he Ascended. What does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. Could it mean? Could it be that this is a picture once again of how unity is achieved through humility? Um, I'll give you a couple examples. 
Luke 22, and this is particularly for, for leaders in the church uh, or leaders of the home. Luke 22, verse 24. Now, there was also a dispute among them. This, by the way, is on the night that he was betrayed. You know, um, a lot of other things on Jesus' mind. There was a dispute among them as to which one would be considered the greatest. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors, but not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger. And he who governs as he who serves. Jesus said that so often. And we know that that very same night, Jesus, the king of all the earth, set aside his robes and put on a towel and washed their feet. Humility. So could it be that he's saying... You don't ascend until you descend, till you humble yourself. And, and turn, turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, and I think it will definitely be the, the most clear, at least for me it was. Philippians chapter 2, two ladies are arguing, and Paul takes the opportunity and says, look, you guys are coming from different points of view, very different uh, things may be going on in your lives, but how can you achieve unity? Through humility. How did Jesus achieve unity with us? He humbled himself and became a man. Right? Look at it. Philippians chapter 2 verse 1. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy. Huh? What does that sound like? Chapters 1, 2, and 3 of Ephesians. Hey, if God has done anything for you at all, you know, maybe just a little bit. Verse 2. Then fulfill my joy by being like Minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, unity. How's that happen? Verse three, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in what lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And then he says, let me give you an example. Let the same mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now watch this descent. Who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. So he's just as high as God. He is God. Verse 7, but he made himself of no reputation. He took taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man with the same flesh, the same hurts that we have. He humbled himself and he became obedient to the point of death. And not just any death, but the worst possible death, even the death of the cross. Do you see? Started out here, 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 goes lower and lower. Look at verse 9. Therefore, there is that therefore. Awesome. God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Perhaps as he's leading captivity captive of those in heaven. And of those on earth and of those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Father, do you see before the ascent, the descent, humble yourself. Seems to me that Paul is very consistent, actually, even in his digressions, the way to unity, even in diversity, is humility. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your mercy and your goodness. And um, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for these, your saints, Lord, and how much you love them. Lord, uh, again, you're faithful, Lord, to your word. So I know that you're, you're desiring and you're right this minute, Lord, you're accomplishing some things.
Maybe you're speaking to our hearts, Lord. Uh, maybe some need to be reminded, Lord, that uh, as they look down upon a brother or sister, Lord, that uh, the way to true reconciliation is to, to uh, place ourselves lower. Lord, just as you did, Lord, you were so high and you humbled yourself so that you could achieve unity for our sake. Lord, help us to have that same mind in us. Lord, um, maybe there's some that just need to be encouraged to use the gifts, Lord, that you've given to them. Maybe there are some that, that don't think they have gifts, Lord, and, and you desire to show them. Lord, I pray that you you make that their prayer this week even, or that you would re- reveal to them, Lord, the... Uh, the, the way that you have perfectly fit them, Lord, into this body, Lord, um, if the, they're regular members here, Lord, or um, the body at large, Lord, the way that you fit us together, Lord, and to, to use our strengths and uh, to cover our weaknesses. Lord, I just pray that you you do all that you're desiring to do in the rest of these uh, few moments together. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.